everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Rift Reaction, a show that Emily Rand writes, produces, directs, and stars <laughs> in, starring Emily Rand. That is not true. Emily Rand, how's it going? I'm doing well. I When you go through a weekend like this weekend, where it's not only four best of fives, but then they all go... Uh, almost all go five games, only the the final one didn't. And then on top of that, watching some LPL and LCK, like I didn't realize this until yesterday. And my brain is like mush. Like yes. I tried to talk to people yesterday at scouting grounds. Like I don't even think anything that came out of my mouth made sense. You usually show up uh, like 20 minutes early. Uh-huh. And today you showed up four minutes early. And I was like, is Emily just asleep somewhere right now? Like, just she's just failed to wake up for this because she's so exhausted. Uh, but I'm glad you made it. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, no, it's been it's been a crazy, crazy week of League of Legends. Some very interesting upsets and more. Uh, we'll get into those here in just a second. Uh, but basically, over the course of this episode, we're going to be talking a lot about LEC and LCS uh, playoffs, which are going on. We're going to start, of course, with last week's Q&A um, and poll, where we asked you, first off, what are your thoughts on the LCS and LEC All-Pro results? Because if you recall, those hit last yep. week. So we wanted to hear from all of you what you thought of four people at a top laner uh, hanging out on uh, multiple regions. So what did we see, Emily? Uh, I liked the response that was like pretty accurate overall, but I like Draco's suggestion to have people vote for more candidates uh, in you know, e.g. top five for more points, but still only do three all pro teams, which would be interesting because um, for for people that don't look at like point totals, it's it's a pretty good indicator of like how heavily someone won. We kind of talked about this last week with comparing right the I believe it was like uh top and ADC in Europe and then mid and support in NA. Um, so I think that's interesting because I do wonder if you'd have people sneak into the top three point totals based on like overall impressions rather than just voting three. Um, so I thought that was an interesting response to uh, everything. So yeah. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't know that um I didn't know that uh, Draco had suggested that. So that's kind of interesting. Griffin here writes, it's whatever, which I thought I thought is <laughs> yeah, a fantastic right. statement. You know, really, really doing it. Mary Simpson says ID, IDK makes sense to me. And there's a lot of people who are just this is where I'm getting at. People, I think, are mostly like, yeah, this is fine. It's not a big issue. I like I do like this joke from Dustin. LEC definitely did not have enough TL players at all. And it's sickening a nod to uh, how many of Team Liquid's players are from Europe. Um, I think the big things that people are looking at, again, supports uh, for sure. I also think that as me and Raz have been the staunch Abadaga defenders on the desk um, in terms of what he does bring to his team when everyone was kind of shitting on him. And I did think that he, of, of all mids, kind of got subbed, which kind of stinks. Um, the one thing that's always really interesting to me, and I think Peter tweeted about this, Peter Dunn, because uh, he's always going to give his opinion on everything, which is what I love about Peter. So shout out if you're listening, because he listens to like everything and shows up on every Twitch stream. Um, 
he was saying like how it's funny that people say like oh it's bias because like no shit it's bias like everyone has their own biases about what they think makes like an all pro um and whether it's like best performing or value to the team or a mixture of both and where players end on that scale um which is why it's super interesting and i did see an answer in here and now i have to find it because i want to shout out who said it um well here's here well go ahead oh i was gonna say some someone said that they were like oh it's cool because it it shows what people think like yes uh you know i don't i don't really mind the results but like the the gist of the response was like it's cool because i get to see how players opinions differ from casters opinions and stuff like that yeah I think it would be interesting for them to do more stuff with kind of an infographic thing where one, you visually show how far, how much people dominated or how close they were mm-hmm. in votes. I think that that would be really cool. And then if they did break it out by, you know, here's like the media's all pro, here's the casters all pro, here's the players all pro. I think that would also be very fascinating. And quite frankly, would do a lot to stem a lot of those comments that are like, get the media out of here or like just use players because people might feel like the players are inting more with their votes or so. You know, it's like there's, or, or maybe they would feel more strongly about the casters. I don't know. It would be interesting to kind of break it down by category um, because I, I don't know. I just, I feel like you can probably do more with this stuff. So yeah, it was Matt Stevens who said, I think it's fascinating insight to different biases between fans, riots, players, writers, yeah. players, etc. Yeah. No, maybe in the future I will try to do some sort of video on that. That's a good call out. Okay. We also asked you in last week's poll, are you going to worlds? And this is actually shocking to me. This is shocking to me. 32% of people who listen to this uh-huh. said, Yes, or at least that voted in the poll. Um, 53% said no, 15% said undecided. So that's actually really cool to me because I know we have a pretty wide-ranging audience uh, that listen to the show and also just demonstrates to me how hardcore the audience is that listens to Rift Reaction because if a third of you guys are really planning on going to Worlds, uh, that is awesome. And I know we hope to see you all there. Yeah, that was kind of surprising to me. I expected fewer well yeah i just 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 based on like i mean we had um i know ashton who's a regular responded uh that they can't go because they have they're canadian with no passport Uh, i saw someone else responding they listen from australia and they're not able to go um so i think like to our point it might have behooved riot to be a little bit more upfront about their timeline for tickets and like what this is going to look like because they might have been able to get a lot more people from other countries but i was pleasantly surprised a third of our listening audience is planning on going that's yeah. really cool yeah no i think i think it is uh, really awesome and if you see us there especially if you see emily rand um ask emily rand to sign something that you own uh yeah. because she tells me all the time that she only does this for the moments where she gets assigned something <laughs> and that's like her main motivation and i so, do have very neat handwriting that yeah. i like to show off it's true see there you go I, that's, <laughs> I, what had, uh, she just validated everything i just said as being completely <laughs> absolutely true uh so the best part of the show notes today is that emily wrote trophy discourse question mark <laughs> yeah. into it as if she was unsure of if it made sense for us to bring so it up i woke up and like i was i guess i just wasn't expecting people to have so many opinions on this i woke up yesterday late i usually wake up earlier um no i woke up around like nine o'clock 
you know, roll out of bed, look at the Twitter timeline like the gremlin I am. And it's just all trophy discord. Really? Oh, it's so funny. I didn't see much. I went. I only saw it mostly confined to like the Reddit thread. And people seemed to feel like it was pretty okay uh, in the Reddit thread. People didn't like it on Twitter? No, people did not like it on Twitter. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, so. You definitely follow a wider range of folks from different regions than I do. So I wonder if maybe like European and North America is more okay with it versus other regions. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, so I'll say this. I think the big thing that I'll say, which has actually very little to do. Wait, can I, can I cut in here yeah, and just tell everybody? Because I realize some of you guys might not know this. Riot worked with Tiffany to yep. redesign the trophy. It looks wildly different than it did before. It doesn't really look like a cup anymore. It looks more like, I don't, how would you describe it? It's, I mean, so in terms of someone who actually like follows like fashion, fashion and aesthetics and stuff, um, it is very Tiffany. Like it, it looks like a lot of their kind of classic art deco things. The only thing missing, which is on the cloth, I think, is like that very specific Tiffany, like powder blue sure. color. Um, but sorry, yeah, I interrupted. And it has five handles, yes. one with every single, like a, basically so everyone can hold the trophy, I guess, so we don't end up with a Jackie Love stumbling under the weight of this giant goblet. Um, so I'll say this, my, my take on it, because I didn't think people would care that much, but my take on it is someone who just pays attention to stuff like this across a lot of different things, like architecture, art, et cetera. I hate that minimalism is like the aut automatically better. Like, I just hate that idea, you know? Gaming is stupid. Like, we're all goofy, like, you know? Uh, make it have, like, a big giant goblet. Like, I don't care. Make it maximalist. Like, even when they redesigned the LPL trophy, LPL, like, bless your heart, you're never change. They redesigned it to be, like, less busy, but the handles are still giant dragons. So it still looks really fucking cool. Yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't really chimed in on any of this stuff because... I don't think it really matters too it much. Like it. everyone will get used to it over the next 24 months. I yeah. don't personally like it more than the previous one. Um, and like the fact that it's redesigned by Tiffany hasn't really done much for me. It doesn't really feel like I get, I guess I, with my, you were a good counter to each other because you're very much more into this than I am. But like when I think of Tiffany, I think of like diamonds. And so I just thought this thing was going to be like, covered in diamonds or something like that and um and like <laughs> that, that it that would, would be, have been really interesting yeah right i don't know i just like especially because there's so many like gyms and runes and all that stuff and and league but i don't, i'm not a designer so what do i know but yeah. i just i look i don't it's i'm not the biggest fan of the redesign i also don't think it matters and so whatever yeah. you know i'll i'll end this terrible uh topic with a with a quote from a friend who said it looks like an engagement ring, and that's the point. Take that as you will. That's a that's very thoughtful. I appreciate <laughs> that a lot. All right, let's talk about LEC. So, Mad Lions, who have not won a single best of five all year, has is going to Worlds, and I love this because uh, <laughs> we need. Do you? Because Twitter just blew up. No, I don't no, know no. if you saw. The, the Twitter timeline just explode. As a, as a North American uh, LCS fan, I want LEC to be sending the most random teams. Uh, I'm sure Mad Lions is going to do well. but No, I, I actually think Mad is a good team, which is probably why people aren't more pissed yeah, about yeah. it. But I just love the idea of them having the strangest system to send this in. And I know part of it is because they've gotten that fourth spot, but um, it is, it's pretty 
pretty great. Um, I'm, I, do you think they should have changed the format after it became clear that they were going to have four teams going? I mean, they, I think they can't at that point because yeah. of like scheduling and, uh, you know, how they, uh, I assume like getting the venue and, and all that stuff. Like they can't change the I feel like they could have done it. a gauntlet at the Berlin studio. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like that's not that heavy of a lift. Yeah. But I think I will say this. I remember how people were complaining just last week about, oh, eight teams in playoffs. This is going to suck, blah, blah, blah. And then after this week, I just thought it was funny because now everyone is like digging into the LEC format and being like, well, maybe LCS isn't this that bad after yeah. all. And like, I even saw people talking about it with the LCK playoffs because... Um, there were a bunch of conversations about like how come our teams only have to play like one or two best of fives. Like basically everyone wants more best of fives. I think especially in LEC and LCS because like I talked about this last week, looking at LPL and LCK, they play in best of series in season. So it feels a little bit more accurate because you just see them play more games in season. So even though, say, LCK fans definitely want more best of fives, I don't feel like the regular season was inaccurate in terms of seeding their teams. And I actually don't feel like the LEC or LCS were particularly inaccurate in terms of seeding teams either. Um, but I think it always, like, quote unquote feels worse because you kind of feel like you know less about the teams because they're only playing best of ones i tweeted after the tsm match like oh this kind of gives more validity to the eight team thing and boy was that a dangerous i did not know how dangerous of a tweet that was oh when I no made it. I people didn't see it. did not respond well to that tweet um and i think part of it was because i was coming off of we talked about this a little bit last week uh, John, who works mm-hmm. over at CLG and, and had uh, input on creating the 18 format, had done a pretty good job of making a case for why it's kind of like the best of a lot of bad situations. It's kind of awkward when you have 10 teams in a league. But uh, yeah, that was a dangerous tweet to make. So I'm glad that now everybody can move on to screaming about the LEC. Okay. What happened in the LEC, though, for the playoff matches last week, Emily Rand? Um, so there were some series that were a little bit closer than I thought. Um, specifically, uh, Rogue Mad was super interesting. Like, if you, I think if you want to watch one LEC series uh, over this past week, um, I would watch that one. It is really interesting, I think, in relation to what bot lanes, like, if you're just watching LCS, for example, because I'm going to assume that most of our fans are, are LCS fans first, just because we're in the United States, um, I would take a really good look at what kind of bot lanes these two teams are running, specifically, like the Lucian Nami priority, the fact that Callista is getting through, um, and then additionally, Malrong on J4, which is kind of a a really interesting um, callback to like if you have a jungler that has a pretty good sense of like where to be in relation to his lanes, J4 is such a great pick for that. And it's something we're seeing kind of get increasingly banned out. Um, But in this specific series, he was able to get it, I believe, four of the five games. Let me triple check. Yeah. He played it four of the five games, and it just uh, 
showcased his kind of ability to affect uh, his lanes. I also think that, I mean, I, st- I still think Matt are a good team. I think they will win a best of five uh, in route to arriving at Worlds. It, I mean, people would really go in on the format yeah. if, if that would be the case. But this is a really close series. I thoroughly enjoyed watching. I think the European bot lane meta is really interesting, especially in relief to what we are seeing in LCS. Um, and this series is very indicative of that. Awesome. Well, uh, we also have Niski. Yeah. Who got MVP. Yeah. And I'm very excited for him because Deserved. I am a big Niski fan. I was really hopeful that there was rumors that he was going to potentially come back to the LCS this uh, this past off season, even potentially to pay for Cloud9, which would have been really funny. And I don't know. I've just always been a fan of him. It was funny that he started off, uh, you know, team teamless mm-hmm. and shows back up and just dunks on people and gets MVP. And I feel like that's very rare, right? That a player takes a split off and then shows up and then just like crushes it. So I'm I'm very happy for him. Congratulations to Niski. I said at the beginning of the year that Elioia was going to be so happy that Niski was on his team because, like, the the running joke was that Niski would never get MVP, but his junglers always yes. will. So as soon as he won MVP, I saw everyone tweeting like Elioia robbed as a joke, which was really funny. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm. I mean, I've made no secret about how much I respect Niski as a player, and how good I think he is, and what I think he can do for a team, due to his. Uh, knowledge of a where his jungler is supposed to be but b uh side lane pressure so i'm really happy for him yeah congratulations niski okay over in the lcs we had some very spicy things happen. oh one one last thing excel oh, sure. are out oh yeah okay because misfits and so for for those that don't know uh as i just said mad uh mad and rogue both qualified so now we have one slot left and excel and uh, or uh, lost to Fnatic in a five-game banger, um, reverse sweep, and then uh, Misfits and Fnatic will be playing each other for that final spot. GG. Well, back to LCS. <laughs> we have some crazy things that went down. Yeah. TSM beat FlyQuest. I think last week you and I were like, yeah, we don't even need to review these matches because we already know how they're going to go. Uh, and then TSM showed up and FlyQuest, I guess, kind of did not. I don't know. It felt as as much as I do want to give some credit to TSM, I also just feel like FlyQuest did not really rise to the occasion in the way that we had expected them to based off of their performance over summer. They definitely didn't. I think the big thing for me, though, was obviously the tactical sub, right? Yeah. Because on desk, we were just like, what? No one saw this coming. And that's not because we don't think... Because I do think Tactical is a better player than Instinct yeah. by a kind of a significant margin, to be honest. Um, no offense to Instinct. I just think he needs a lot more time to develop as a player. Uh, and he has improved in the LCS, as anyone kind of will. Um, but Tactical opens up, even though the Draven pick obviously did not work for them, um, Tactical opens up a lot more of these aggressive bot lanes that we've been seeing in other regions, a lot less so in the LCS. Like I said, there hasn't been the same kind of Lucian, Nami, Draven, uh, Callista has been banned out, but um, 
it's been kind of more Zeri Sivir and then the Seraph that's the Seraphine coming back to run rampant over the bot lane. Yeah. But Tactical opens up a lot of stuff for them. I think he's still very good. Um I also think like to come back from him coming in having such a rough game in that game, right? Because like that was the one game where FlyQuest just absolutely like rolled them. Right. Um and then to to come back and help lead TSM to a victory, I thought was like really cool. Um, his interview with Chime afterwards uh, was really interesting. And I mean, I'm just happy to see him back because of the community has like, in my opinion, unfairly shit on No, him they've lot. been so bad and yeah. it's actually so frustrating. And people go to like, oh yeah, you know, he got exposed because Core just carried him and stuff. I'm like, no, he was put on a team where everyone was looking bad. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, he was having bad games. So was Spica. Like that's just the way. Who's the MVP last summer? So I don't know. I it's I think it is a really cool redemption moment. And I was I, like you, I was very excited to see it. Yeah. So. And obviously, we were, we were making the jokes about Solo, Solo the bounty hunter leading yes. his team to another thing. But like for me, the star of this series was Tactical. Yes. No, I think that's right. I think that's right. Uh, okay. What we can probably, uh, I guess the the Golden Guardians. CLG match was interesting. I mean, it went to five, which I don't think people expected either. Uh, I think the Golden Guardians CLG match is interesting because it was kind of a harbinger of what was to come in NA in terms of the way people are looking at their bot lanes, right? Because yeah. uh, we're talking to Olive about this too because he was on the desk on Sunday um, after this he lost in the series. And he was saying how like, you know, River came on the team and River is such a good player but they had no practice with him and then they subbed him out and he was playing in academy leader came in then they swapped them back and so like the team just didn't have time to gel so with the time that they had they basically figured out okay you know Stixay can still carry really well if we set up these like bot focused team comps we've been seeing this in i mean it's one of the reasons why like gen g for example is doing so phenomenally well right it's because like they're built to play this way around ruler and so it was cool to see them recognize how they could play as a team. And it's just indicative of like the fact that sometimes teams need time and that's, that theme is gonna come up again with another specific team. All right, I have a unifying thesis for all of this, but let's continue on with Hunter T and TL. Hunter T going to Chicago, going yep. to Worlds in another f nail biting five game series. Yeah, I I don't know even know if there's too much to say here. I think uh, closer looked phenomenal uh, in this series, and it's just hilarious because people continue to sleep. And I used to do this, and then I've caught on to their wily ways, <laughs> where hundred T slumps and they look bad, and everybody doesn't believe in them, and then they ramp up and playoffs hits, and suddenly they're just going crazy. But I I really enjoyed the series. I thought it was uh, exciting, and it's cool to see officially that the same team that won summer and went to worlds the same five players are headed back to worlds and this has not happened i in north america i think since like tsm in 2016 2017 so it's been like five years since we've seen something like this you know that's what i really like this hundred thieves roster uh i think that it was cool that they decided to stick with this team and they were like you know what we're not done yet we still have other heights we can reach. I also think, and I've said this here many times, they kind of remind me of an LPL team sometimes where they're 
not necessarily taking the regular season quote-unquote easy but they do recognize that it's a slog and they turn it on when it matters right and i i appreciate that about them that's probably why i wasn't as down on them as maybe some other people were in reacting to their best of one things but this series was awesome and if there's one series i would actually recommend people watch from this past weekend in LCS, it would be this one. Oh, really? I would have said the C9 AG match. That was more of an upset, but I think the TL 100 Thieves match is more interesting to me and closer. Okay, let's get into C9 AG. Emily, how much of this was EG sucking and how much of it was C9 stepping up? What's uh, the ratio? It's a combination of both. Yeah, what's the percentage? Um... I would say it's like 60% C9 stepping up, 40% EG sucking, which is probably, I think, more on the C9 doing better side than a lot of people are. Because yeah. uh, obviously, like, the the big thing is, weirdly, everyone is now slamming JoJo, which is kind of weird in well, my opinion. Well, Inspired as well, I thought. Um, I feel like Inspired's taking a ton of heat. Well, I, I don't know if he has. I haven't seen that as much, but I've heard a lot of people being like, oh yeah, JoJo didn't perform. To me, the big thing was Inspired not being able to interact and communicate with his lanes as much. Um, and to that, I to that end, I actually credit Blabber a lot. Like I said this several times on desk and I'll be pointing out some specific plays this coming week before C9's uh, series against 100 Thieves. But like Blabber and the entire team tracked Inspired very well. Like it was very obvious that this was a large part of their prep going into this series. They needed to make sure that Inspired was not um, kind of functioning as the engine of, of EG, especially in the early to mid game. Um, so the EG couldn't come back for, through team fighting, and you saw glimpses. You still saw glimpses of like EG's team fighting prowess, but uh, I I credit Blabber and C9 for being able to track Inspired very well. Yeah, I my grand unifying thesis statement on playoffs so far in North America is that the regular split did a lot to hype up our teams and I feel like a lot of those narratives like playoffs is kind of like ruining a lot of the work that regular split did because going into this split or going into the playoffs the split had taught us like wow we have so many great teams like who knows what's going to happen and I feel like the way that a lot of these matches have gone has kind of underwritten a lot of that stuff right like FlyQuest, who a lot of people were really excited about, getting upset by TSM, not that great. That C9 CLG match, I don't feel like people thought very highly of the performance that we saw in the play from both of those teams. You're supposed to have EG, who's supposed to be like our our for sure team, like going to Worlds and to making finals and all that stuff. They randomly lose in a four-game series against C9, who again, a lot of people have felt looked really shaky. Like There's just so much happening um, even like Golden Guardians taking CLG to five games when people were like all on board the CLG hype train, I I don't know. I've I've personally been a little bummed because I felt like we were really excited about a lot of these storylines, and I don't feel like playoffs has really helped the reputation of a lot of the teams that we have going into I don't know summer finals and and worlds. Hmm. 
Emily Schwartz. I disagree somewhat, but I know we have another other topic that no, you no, want no, to no. touch upon. No, no, no. Go ahead and, and tell me why you disagree, because I'm kind of curious. Well, I think, like, this kind of happens a lot in playoffs. Um, I think it's interesting to me, mainly because when you have a team like Golden Guardians, who looked absolutely shit, against Dignitas. That that one match was just, like, awful. Uh, and to have them come out and play as well as they did against CLG is really interesting to me. The other thing with, um, with C9, one of the narratives for C9 has been that, oh, we're just waiting for this team to figure it out, right? Like, uh, and, and obviously I didn't pick C9. No one did except Jat, who swapped only because no one had picked C9. Um, so I don't, I don't mind it. I do think it would feel better. I agree that it would feel better for fans if we had one team that people could rally around as like, this team has looked consistently good from season to through playoffs. And now we're looking for them to develop further in worlds just because that's a lot that feels a lot better if you're looking at like can North America do anything at Worlds? Yeah. Um, so from that perspective, I understand. But from like a narrative perspective, I think a lot of the narratives are pretty interesting. All right. Fair enough. Well, let's talk about the final narrative, which is only TL or EG can go. Now, obviously, <laughs> there's a world where neither of these teams go. I don't want to just get a super ahead of ourselves. But of course, these are the TSM two teams. TSM versus CLG, baby, yeah, for yeah. the last spot. Yeah, that's... Let's follow Parth's narrative. Is that what he was suggesting? No, he was joking, obviously, but he was like, you can't get away from TSM having to play CLG for the final spot. I mean, that would be crazy, but okay. It would be interesting. Uh, now everybody's going to be listening to this episode after that's happened on Sunday and people are going to laugh at us. Okay. No, what's more likely, I think, for most people is TLRG. And so you can only have one of these two teams go. And... That is so wild because on one hand you have the team that is supposed to be like the powerhouse. It's got the most superstars. It's got Bjerg and Kor, who I think most people would say are like, at least historically, the the two stars of the LCS. I know JoJo and Danny maybe starting to make a push up there, but and then on the other hand you have JoJo and Danny, for instance, and the the sort of exciting new generation uh, team that people were really excited for following their victory over spring and spring and going off to MSI and all that stuff. Um, and this is very wild. The sideshow to this is also that if TL goes, Worlds North American Worlds will only have one North American player competing on stage. Uh, sorry, from, from the North American region. Obviously, there will be um, some Latin folks, and et cetera. But uh, f- in, in Blabber. And Blabber will be the only person going if TL goes. Uh, I tweeted this out. People got very upset with me. Uh, people thought that I was trying to dog on Bjerg and Jensen and people that have been here for a very long time, et cetera, et cetera. I, I tweeted as a follow-up, like, look, I think it's possible for t- to say I, I'm excited about Bjerg and Jensen potentially going or players like them and also feel disappointed that there is potentially only one North American player competing on stage in North America. And yes, I get, you can say, Oh, beer is a North American player. Yeah, 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 yeah. But also if there's a fan who's watching at home or in the audience and thinks that he or she can go pro 
in the future um and it just looks like there's just there's like what's the lesson here the takeaway from them it's like if you are brought up within the north american ecosystem from high school college etc there's not a spot for you on the world stage uh unless your name is blabber and you're from maryland anyway uh that is sort of my take on it and i was it's annoying because while i think it's really shitty to pretend that Bjerg doesn't deserve to be um thought of as a player in the lcs that has you know been here for a very long time i like i also feel like it's really frustrating to just kind of passively ignore the idea that like native north american talent being on stage like not being on stage at the worlds is is not a big deal so anyway what what is your thought on all this emily all right i took notes on this because i uh could ramble about this for a really long time so i'll try to keep it succinct and hopefully i won't miss anything or people won't be able to take a lot of stuff that i say out of context because it's a multifaceted issue and it's something i care about um, my problem with North America has always been scouting. Um, is scouting of their own talent and scouting of talent coming in, right? And so when you look at a lot of the roster building priorities with North American organizations, historically, uh, a lot of people have just gone with big names from other regions who have had a lot of success um, and and brought them in or like up and coming talent from other regions uh, without having necessarily scouted them particularly well in terms of not only their mechanical skill, but how uh, well they'll fit on a team, what kind of cultural uh, barriers will be there, not just language barriers, but overall cultural barriers. you know, how homesick people are gonna get, how outgoing someone is. Um, And to that end, I think absolutely like, I I consider, for example, I consider Doinby an LPL player, right? He is from South Korea for people that don't actually know that, they might not because he's been in LPL for his entire career, but he is ethnically South Korean and he came up on the South Korean solo queue ladder playing in South Korea. Um, the shy, I consider an LPL player. He is also South Korean. Uh, similarly with Scout, like similarly with even Rookie who won a title in South Korea with KT Rolster Arrows. I consider him an LPL player first and foremost because he's been in China for that long. He's been on LPL teams for that long. And I consider the same thing for Bjergsen, Jensen, Impact, Someday Now even, where, where people I think might've been weirdly on the fence about him uh jay who he i also consider him an an na player like so when you look at a roster like hundred thieves for example i think people look at them and they're like well there are no you know na players on this but they stuck with the same roster they scouted this this roster core they put a lot of effort and and thought into how these players would get along how they would uh how they would play together and you know this core built up from Golden Guardians, the 100 Thieves ended up kind of taking, um, supplementing with Abadaga and then Reaper and Freeze and their coaching staff. And I, I like that idea of roster building. I like that idea that these are players you can root for. They are a team. Um, it's, it's very easy to see how they work together. It's very cool to hear them talk about their, their friendships and how they work together and struggles and successes. Um, and so when you have this 
these factors and people are talking about players, my main thing is in scouting, right? Because I think you also look at EG, it's really easy to rally around these North American players. And there have been so many times, because people will retroactively use the excuse, well, NA mid suck, that's why we have to import. I don't think that's actually true. Obviously, we have a smaller player base. There's gonna be less cream that rises to the top. There's still gonna be cream that rises to the top. Everyone is so overwhelmed when an NA player makes like top whatever in Korean solo queue. Be, they, like they still have the mechanics. They're not grown. They're not raised in the same environment because Korean solo queue is the best in the world, right? Like, so it always really frustrates me when people retroactively use the way that orgs have kind of fucked up in scouting their own talent as an excuse to be like NA players equal bad. Um, so there's that factor. Sorry, I, I told you I could talk about this for a while. There's that factor that goes into it, um, and then there's also the stuff that you talked about, right? So. The idea that as soon as Jojo and Danny start doing well on EG, and EG's roster construction is also really good and really thoughtful too, right? They put a lot of effort into making sure that that roster would work well together. Um, as soon as that team started doing well, everyone jumped off of the TL and, and 100 Thieves ship and immediately just supported uh, Danny and Jojo. And I do also think in a world where people are screaming for a reason to care about North American players because they don't stream anymore and they're not interesting and they're boring and the broadcast doesn't do a good enough job of making them be interesting and all that stuff. Being from the same country is gonna matter in that case, right? Like, it's not for me, I'm not that kind of fan. I'm always just gonna wanna see the best players play, but like, I'm not everyone, like, I don't need a reason to care about LCS teams, but some people do. And sometimes having someone be from your state or your country is a good reason to root for them over another player. So I also see that. Um, so yeah, it is it is frustrating because I can see a world at, where at the end of this split, people take all of the wrong, <laughs> all of the wrong takeaways and just continue to pass over North American players when they can slot in rosters just as well, right? Like all I'm asking is for teams to not automatically denigrate North American players because they were raised on a worse solo queue ladder and actually put in the fucking effort to scout their players, regardless of where they're from. I wonder how many F-bombs were allowed by Spotify in an episode. I don't know, they're gonna have to bleep me out a lot in this one, I think. Anyway, I'm very passionate about this. I As can people tell. know, I was. I'm a little disappointed because I felt like I had like a really good, like I took notes rant, and, and then you showed up with notes, and I didn't know we needed <laughs> rant notes for our rants, and so then you you kind of did a better rant than me. And let's talk about this week's Q and A. Uh, which LCS team? <laughs> this is on on topic. Which LCS team do you want to take the final spot at Worlds, and why? So you've got four teams left. I think most people will be rallying around uh, TL or GEG. I did a poll on Twitter, which I will not discuss here because I don't want to soil the results of this Q&A, but let us know and we'll talk about it next week because by the end of, or by the next episode, we will know and we'll be able to react to mm -hmm. if, what which one of you guys got happy and which one of you did not. All right. Uh, this week's poll is also how entertaining is the current pro meta? as in these long team fights and five game series. Do you think it is very entertaining, pretty fun, Matt, not really that entertaining, or I'm bored? I don't, those are all options that Emily wrote. I don't yep. know if we can fit those all into the Spotify app, so they might be altered. Uh, but please open up the Spotify app to get access to the Q&A and poll uh, so that we can react to that stuff next week. 
Emily. Yo. I know you spent a long time. Um, so I'm taking this spray bottle that's in my office and oh, I'm aim God. it for you, at you for the <laughs> LPL update and the LCK update. So if you go too long, I oh, will God. have to spray he you. He actually with the is aiming a spray bottle at me. It's like a, having a cat. It's, yes. <laughs> um, I am the cat. Anyway, uh, JDG versus TES. I already covered why these two teams going against each other are so fun. The Knight Yagao story, how they're friends. They came up on the same Net Cafe team, blah, blah, blah. Earlier in the bracket, JDG beat TES in what I think is an all-time match, as in it's one of the most exciting and interesting matches, especially in team fighting, that I've seen in the past, I would say, like three years at least. So if anyone watches like one match from any pro league, sorry LCS, sorry LEC, sorry LCK finals, watch TES versus JDG from this past weekend, upper bracket semifinals. It was awesome. And they will now be facing each other in the finals again with JD Gamers having qualified for Worlds. So both TES and JDG are qualified. Um, and then we will find out our two other LPL teams after they play in the gauntlet. Um, that finals, by the way, is Wednesday night, or like Wednesday night, Thursday morning uh, for, for those that don't know. So if you want to check it out, they face each other again in the LPL. LPL finals. Meanwhile, we already talked about how Gen G and T1 had both qualified, but congrats to Gen G. They finally have overcome seemingly their uh, mental hangups around T1. They absolutely crushed it. Uh, Peanut is performing uh, up to a really strong level that we haven't seen from him in a few years. Um, this is a really good meta for him, and it's a really good meta for a team like Gen G, who likes to play around Ruler, one of the best AD carries in the world. So uh, it is. I'm really looking forward to seeing this team at Worlds because they're. I think it's a phenomenal meta for them, and they're just so good at team fighting. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm really excited. Awesome. All right, uh, time for reaction shots. All right, so for mine, I know there's nothing too spicy that's happened in the last week, or, or if it was, it was something that we discussed uh, earlier in the show. So I'm just going to go with a quick shout-out to uh, LCS Commissioner Jackie Felling, who was on Hotline League last night. Uh, so I uh, maybe I, I promise I'm not just attempting to promote my one show on the other show, but I just, like, it was really cool to have her on. She has never... Like, she talked a lot about how she used to go by Jack Felling because early on in her career working in the gaming industry, she did not want people to even know that she was a woman. Uh, and she has not really ever done any interviews before. Um, and whenever you know, I was, I think as soon as it got announced that she was going to be working at Riot, I immediately emailed Riot. This was at the beginning of the year and was like, hey, I'd love to interview her. Um, but it took a while for her to get to the place where uh, she was both ready in terms of the amount of time that she had spent at Riot to be able to speak to things, but also I think to, to be down to do this. And I think she did really, really well. Um, I, I really appreciate the way that she handled things. I know she was really nervous. She talked a lot about it. And um, I don't think enough times we, we always get give people credit for how nerve-wracking it can be to uh, really put yourself out there. So uh, congrats to her, hats off to her, and I'm really happy that she's done this. And hopefully, you know, I offered her, I was like, do you not want to do, like, you're kind of going hard mode by going onto a live show. So not only is it, like, not written, and not only is it not, you know, pre-recorded or something like that, it's a live show. You're going to be taking questions directly from 
fans uh but she she insisted on doing it that way so uh shout out to her i thought i thought she did really well yeah she so, did and maybe in the future we'll have her on on the show i know she's looking to do more of the stuff as time goes on so That'd be uh, cool. yeah like jackie emily how about Yo. you so this is kind of a selfish one but for people that don't know uh my favorite player is uh ko dong bin which is uh his handle is score um before he went into the military, I did an interview with him talking about his entire career, uh, you know, his kind of nerves, I guess, in terms of what he was going to do post-military. He was kind of like, well, I'd, I'd still like to work in League of Legends, etc." cetera. Um, and for those that don't know, he was picked up as a coach for Gen G, who just won the uh, LCK title. And I think, you know, that's, it's really cool. Uh, you know, obviously, um, he was reunited with some of his former, uh, you know, KT members on that coaching staff, including the, the overall director of the program. But um, I think I am just really happy for him because, uh, again, talking to him right before he went to the military at 2019 Worlds when he was doing some stuff with LCK Broadcast, he seemed a little lost in terms of like, I don't know what I'm gonna do, blah, blah, blah. So to have him come back, help coach this team um, and get the coaching award of the split as well as have his team win LCK finals uh, looking as strong as they are, just makes me really happy as a as a fan, right? It's really rare that I feel like I get to kind of step back and just be a fan. And so that's cool, I'm happy for him. Yeah, that is very cool. Uh, thank you so much to everybody who listened. I know it's been a bit of a longer episode. Yeah, this is a banger. We'll see you all next week. 